Hey everyone, this is producer Mike. Uh, and this week we're gonna try something a little bit different. So this for this week's episode, you know, I would submit to all of you uh, who are listening right now, if you like rap music, you like Phil Collins, and you might not even know it already, but you like the legacy that Phil Collins helped create. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we to answer that question, we gotta go back to 1979. Uh, you know, Genesis had already kind of broken up at this point. This was the Prague artsy, you know, group that he and Peter Gabriel had done. Gabriel left the group, but Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel, they still fucked with each other. So uh, Peter Gabriel had built this really fancy ass uh, recording studio with like stone on the walls so that it would sound like you were recording inside a castle. Like, And one of the new technologies they had was that they had a mic hanging in the studio so that, you know, the artists who were recording could talk to the people in the booth and be like, oh, okay, you know, do this, do that differently, whatever. Uh, so when they were recording, when Phil Collins banging on his drums when he was recording, uh, they had accidentally left that studio mic on uh, and it got gotten picked up and added to the track. And that was kind of the creation of what we know as gated reverb. It's that real sharp, punchy, sharp sound. This is like the quintessential 80s drum sound, uh, but one of the interesting facts of it was that it was also very economical. Uh, and that made it, you know, very, it was like a very small file size or like a very small size if you're like storing this on computers. So it became the default sound for drum machines in the 1980s and beyond. You know, Phil Collins directly worked with, uh, you know, Roland for the TR-808 to help kind of like design what that drum sound would sound like. Uh, and, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say that like he kind of like helped create the electronic drum, which became the basis of, you know, so much of the rap music we love. But, uh, you know, as much as uh, he was an influence, you know, rappers uh, love to, rappers and R&B artists love to show love for Phil Collins. And that's uh, this gem that uh, we stumbled upon recently, which is Urban Renewal, the uh, Phil Collins tribute album that has an astonishing amount of early 2000s R&B talent on it. like. I was really surprised. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's one of these internet curiosities where, like, you know, it's not on Spotify, it's not on Pandora, it's not on Tidal, it's not on Apple Music. Like, there's some bootleg stuff on YouTube and, like, elsewhere on blogs posted, you know, one-off tracks posted on blogs around the internet. And you gotta, like, hunt it down and assemble it yourself. But we did for this week's episode of the Some to Say podcast. Well, I when it used to be the 80s that the world was going in in 2000 I'm the only thing to fear for the new year New year, new gear, and the B.I.G. was here Get the fans, we don't want to talk We die real on the street, so watch where you walk And you can find me usually talking dirty to a cat thugged out Or even kind of So uh, before we even talk about the album itself How, how does everybody feel about the title of the album? Disgusted. Yeah, it's pretty. It's <laughs> like, pretty it sounds bad. like it's gentrification. Yeah, it's it was yeah. really on the nose, and I'm pretty sure that not Phil Collins, but I'm almost positive that a white person came up with this name. Oh yeah, like I'm no, a no, thousand percent sure that 100%. It was, somebody was in their in their car in like a back of a limo somewhere and was like, "Yo, you know what is a good idea to call this project?" <laughs> that's clever. <laughs> yeah, that's clever, right? Like you know, the play on words is like black people and Phil Collins, <laughs> and it's like making the white people feel new. And it's sort of like I was like, "Oh man, Did you could get away with that joke in the early 2000s. You could not get away with that <laughs> joke in 2019. That that's." <laughs> I, and I, the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm like, Urban Renewal, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Like this is what this is what we're doing. All right, well that's cool. It just um, looks bad. Except yeah, yeah, yeah. The optics just don't play well, and I get it. Like I get it, but like the optics don't like play real. But well. it would be a reverse, a, a, a regentrification because it's black artists. Yeah, reclaiming, yeah, re- reclaiming you know what Phil Collins probably was influenced by other black artists. So oh, like, he, def- he definitely mean, was. Urban Renewal still sounds like. A hoppy beer bar, you know what I mean? Yes, like it's, it's, it's Monday Night Brewing, which is yeah. like yeah, down it's, the street. It's, it That's sounds like the the stretching of Lululemon pants <laughs> and yogurt. It, it sounds like <laughs> the shears that clip like a labradoodle at a like labradoodle. the local oh, no. dog pet grooming place, like. Bro, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is the sound of urban renewal. Uh, I will say. In a partial defense of urban renewal, this came out in Europe first. Yep. And I don't know what Europe is like as far as what urban and renewal might mean together. That's true. It might not, it might have seemed like a better idea overseas mm. than it would have did if you would have said that in Harlem. Well, you know what's funny about it? Or Atlanta. Europe's still pretty racist, man. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's racist enough that there's nothing to black people to say, hey, let's not do that. Like, yeah, it depends who's in the room. Because if yeah. you someone, if the room looks a certain kind of way, it might sound like a good idea. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Well, this was this album came out in 2001, 2001, 2001 in Europe right, and 2003 right. in the U.S. Yeah. yeah, So it's like a big two year gap. Well, the funny part about it to me was that like it came out in 2001, so I guess it's not that far removed from the late 90s. But mm. it was funny to me how much of this album made me feel more like. 95 to 98 than yes. it did anything that was going on in 2000 even at that time yeah like yeah, yeah. in my mind as i'm listening to it i'm like even in 2001 this would have sounded not old but like it would have made me nostalgic for things past more than what was happening because 2001 we're talking about like I mean, hip hop wise, we're talking about the chronic oh no mm. we're talking about uh blueprint yeah we're talking about um uh, 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 the Day La Soul had a, I forgot the name of the Day La Soul. I mean, Crunk was rising. Crunk was still, yeah, yeah, at that time. And so this still f- really feels like R&B was still a major. Player. It's like 96, 97. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe. For sure. There's like, a lot of songs on here that made me feel like, damn, I want Raphael Sadiq on this joint. <laughs> like, yeah. there was at least three or four songs. I was like, damn, Raphael Sadiq would have killed this shit. Yeah, we've um, Mike played the album for the first time for me, um, just this morning, and it was kind of a fun guessing game about to see who is this. Like, yeah. who is this? Right? Like, I thought well, I thought Tony Braxton. I thought Deborah Cox was Tony Braxton for one, but I Fair. was like, yeah, no, that, that yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like. And then when Mike told me that Joe was on one of these tracks, I was like, you mean my high school crush, Joe? Like, <laughs> like I want to know like, Joe. This is that a big Joe? Rich town. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Joe and I, got busy, too. Yeah, Joe did, did get busy. Yeah, did. Joe did get yeah, busy. Did. And then Brian McKnight pops up on here, my other high school crush. Um, but then I listened to it and I'm like, Usher should have been this. He should have done this song instead. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to see Usher on one of these. Yeah, I don't know if the label would have allowed it. But yeah, um, it definitely felt like a time where, you know, not only is R&B like a dominant force, but it's like that really uh, sophisticated, grown mm-hmm. like yeah, R&B, like sure. when adult contemporary was really the Vogue thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is not what I would have associated with like the early 2000s at all. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, well, I think uh, it was, you know, it's kind of like related to the fact that Phil Collins was also kind of already on his way out by the early 2000s. Like he really mm. peaked in like the late 90s, like with Tarzan and everything. Like once he was started pumping out those Disney movies, like those, you remember those that? really you, you, were, you yeah. just had a flashback. That was the, how I got introduced to oh, Phil yeah. Collins. Was, yeah, yeah. What else did he need though? <laughs> you he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, nothing yeah. else. Like you're Grammy. fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, once once that happened, like his studio albums definitely like didn't hit the way they used to uh, once the 2000s hit. So so in a way, yeah, Phil was kind of already on his way out when this album came out. So it is very like backwards looking. So it doesn't surprise me that like you know uh, the the tone of the music is also yeah much more appropriate for like the mid to late 90s all right let me be cynical about it then for a second does that say anything about phil's attitude like for this project to even come about does that say anything about him maybe seeing which way the traffic is going and saying hey let me get a piece of this hip-hop thing or let me be open to letting this new generation of music which i clearly see is getting ready to like take over pop culture Mm -hmm. let me let cash in on that and as for me i can sit here and buy my time i got nothing to lose if i speak my mind i don't care anymore i don't care no more i don't care what you did some research on tribute albums and I mean they were huge in Europe but they were like a cash grab for this indie label that they were just running them through and some of the tributes weren't even in association with the artists it was just like you could just make an album oh yeah like you could just do so I don't know if there's enough information about this project in particular to let us know like who's the source Mm. like I don't even know what label put this out it said when I looked up it's like W it was like W-E-A WEA recordings or something like that? Well, apparently... I, I never heard of this label before. I don't know what WEA yeah. is. Well, apparently the whole project was initiated by the creative director at Phil Collins Publisher, okay. who is a woman. And basically the reason why she thought this would be a good idea was because the tie was already happening. It wasn't even so much that like Phil Collins had the foresight to be like, you know, like hip hop and R&B is going to be a thing. Let me no, get a couple dollars. It was just, it was that um, like DMX was already calling him. It was that, you know, like oh. uh, Bone Thugs at Harmony was already calling. All these different artists wanted to go ahead and sample his music. So she was looking at that and being like, well, okay, if he's already getting all these calls, then why don't we go ahead and put this compilation together? I think the fatal mistake that they made was kind of putting all of urban music into one single category (laughs) Um, because they weren't at all stringent with who they chose to feature on this project. Or even some of like who they decided to give what songs because like before we cracked the mic, you're talking about Montel Jordan. And like the first thing I thought when I heard Against All Odds was first and foremost, I never want to hear Montel Jordan do a ballad. Like, ever. <laughs> never want Montel Jordan to do a ballad. Like, for no reason at all. Like, give him an up-tempo. Like, Montel Jordan is known for one thing. This is how we do it. So and let, he's so, so serious. And, yeah. So, it, like, so <laughs> let him do that. Like, soon as I saw, I heard the tempo, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Montel Jordan to do ballads, so. 
No, but to answer your earlier point, John, uh, ye, we it is a hundred percent fair to acknowledge that like Phil Collins is a wave rider, one hundred percent. Like he did that his whole career, and he was very open about it. Like oh, wow. his 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 second biggest hit, um, you know, I think the uh, his his second or third biggest hit was a cover of the Supremes. You can't hurry love, like right. uh, you know, he's he's been open about this, and yeah. Uh, you know, people he pointed out. He did a Motown that, like, tribute album. Yeah, he did yeah. a whole Motown tribute album. People pointed out that, like, oh, you know, his Sue Studio, like his his first biggest hit is, oh, that sounds so much like Prince's 1999. And he straight up copped to it. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, Prince is a huge influence. He, he worked with Prince, he did production for right. Prince. Like, he's always had, he's always been very open <laughs> about his embrace of black culture. Like, so he's you know, like, Kanye. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. He's he figured out how to like <laughs> pull these like he was he he would do his pop stuff, but then he would have these blue eyed soul segues. You know, mm. whether it's the Supremes cover, like you said, whether it's the Motown tribute thing, like he knew how to like you know uh, crossover goes both ways. You know, like he right. I think as as a white artist, he represented like man, you know, like the space I'm working in. There's a lot of potential for me to you know make thing. black people part of my audience. Right. He's very canny about that and very open about it. He's a hustler straight up because he he had like this whole working class mystique around himself you know because the other people that in genesis that he did a band with these were all like art school kids you know like and he's he's straight up like working class trash from northern england who like you know had to work summer jobs to save up for his drum kit and finally got his big break and and broke it big but yeah like the milieu he was working in he was like decidedly you know the come from the bottom success story so Hmm. we're so we're genesis sort of like rock critic darlings at that time oh yeah okay all right got you like uh, yeah I was gonna say something rude. No, uh, just totally like <laughs> very in love with themselves and very like artsy and theatrical and like over the top and stuff. Like right. very different from you know what yeah. Phil Collins and like that '80s pop sound ended up being. So you already know our feelings about this album. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in general, like I feel like the conceit was more interesting than the actual like execution. Um, like, and I, I'm interested in, in knowing what songs you guys feel like worked and what songs didn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought the Brandy song was great. You mean I, the one with Ray J? Ray J? Yo, why yeah, is Ray, Ray J? Why is Yo! he even there? What's he doing? There? Ray J is like the first voice you hear on the album. It's crazy. There was something about it that made it like a little awkward because it's like. It's another day in paradise, but it's like your brother and sister. So it's kind of like it made it a little weird for they're me. They're singing about but, homelessness, technically. Well, yeah, technically, I know. And I'm like, I know this is like a metaphor. I get it. I did not actually. But it was like it just made it. It just made it feel a little awkward. You like, feel like brother and sister shouldn't be a duet? Like well, a, duo a duet like that? But I feel like you just. The execution of this song was a little romantic. Yeah, right. It's a little little romantic. Like Disney Prince and Princess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it comes off. I I know, like, it's not necessarily that they're in love with each other on the song, but it's just, it can't, the production of it gave me romance, and I'm just like, (laughs) hey. This is like, they're too close to each other. Way too close. That's how it feels. That should have been a song between, like, Brandy and somebody she did Moesha with. (laughs) <laughs> like this, like Brandy and Jason Weaver probably would have made me feel a totally different. Wait, way about bro, it. what? Whoa, <laughs> like, yes, that would have made me feel totally different about the situation. But that didn't happen. And it could have so been on Moesha. Yeah, and it could have been on Moesha. It could have been a whole thing. Jason so, Weaver is missing from this album. <laughs> that is the he, take. He would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, TQ is on this album, so I don't see which is crazy. Why, I don't see why who, Jason who Weaver could have been. I didn't know who TQ was. Okay, so TQ, um, I don't remember the name of TQ's song, but TQ is uh, 
an R&B singer. Matter of fact, I look it up while I'm telling you. He's an R&B singer from around this time. Uh-huh. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think TQ... Uh, was it called Westside? It was called Westside. It was called Westside. The oh. one, the the hit, the, the hit, hit, the hit was called Westside, oh. right? Yeah, he had a he had an R and B uh R and B hit called Westside. Okay. Um, but, but he, he never, but it never turned into like a thing. Like, okay, you saw a lot more featuring TQ than you did. Like, okay, he didn't become a star. He's the marquee yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. That that one song was kind of his thing, but he ended up on this album with some pretty like legendary type people yeah right like pharrell and Khalees are on here yeah so what was did, did they have did pharrell have like i mean i know he was hot at this time but how did he end up with so much involvement with this album because there's like two Khalees records on here it sounds like there's at least three pharrell beats on here yeah. so i'm like what how did pharrell and this phil collins become well he's he's spoken about that before too you know pharrell well, has talked well, about well apparently he's a fan yeah he's now a fan. how he yeah, now how he got three songs on urban renewal i have no fucking <laughs> yeah, idea like, yeah that's like that was, <laughs> I kept 2001 here, I was like, so the neptunes are already hot yeah they're hot right, right now. oh they're for hot. sure neptunes and timbaland yeah. you right. know yeah. Khalees, obviously it's coming up their world but and i mean i like the record um i don't care anymore mm. like I, I like that record Who's on that one? Just him and Cleese. Okay, Just all right. And Cleese. I don't know how I felt about in the air with Little Kim. Like I, that wasn't it for me, bro. It wasn't it. No, Why? it wasn't. Why I don't know it? what it was, but I was like, this is, this is not okay. Okay, it's <laughs> not. It no. didn't. It didn't disgust me. <laughs> like I rolled along with it as it was in the car, and it kind of bumped a little bit, but. I wasn't hype about it either. I was just like, okay. Some records were just awkward to me. Yeah. Like, and I hate that I wrote this down, but sometimes the album felt like watching Donald Trump at a spelling bee. <laughs> what? You, you knew it was supposed to be entertaining, but it turned out to be awkward. Can you just imagine Trump at a spelling bee? No. You think you're gonna laugh. Yeah, you're but he's sounding that, words out in a way that you just like cut this off. Yeah, like stop this, please. Like, and I'm so it's just despairing moments, reflection. I of just our country. felt like they should have worked. Yeah. And I knew where the idea was. Like I understand mm-hmm. what this is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like when it comes to tributes, especially with someone as distinct as Phil, you have to bring certain certain kind of energy to the room. Mm-hmm. Or you yeah. gotta kinda know the direction of the record. Like you said, Montel Jordan doing a about like that was he. I don't know how, how he got chosen. Who A and R that particular thing? And what the conversation like, was like? Like, okay, we need you to come in here and do this. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I just know. don't. I don't think about that. Again, you look at that and be like, well, maybe this is a good idea, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it'll surprise me. And then you hear, you're like, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how I felt about some of the records. I, I liked uh, ODB on this though. Oh my god! On he was, studio? Yeah, she was surprisingly yeah. subdued. Surprisingly yeah. subdued, but it worked yeah. for him. Yeah, like, he, he wasn't in... wrapped it straight down. Like yeah. he didn't even do anything zany. Like oh yeah, yeah. there was no wild vocal inflections. He Which just kind of rapped. I'm kind of interested like, in like that too. ODB has so much potential to oh be such a crossover act. Like him and Mariah Carey, him and Phil Collins. Oh yeah, no, he had it. There was no ceiling for him, for, especially for someone with such a distinct style, and it seemed very like wild and boisterous. But he was so tame when he needed to be. And it's just, I hate that he's not here. I he's know. one of rapper I really wish he would have thrived. In this era? Oh, oh yeah. God. Oh, my sure. God. All his children. Absolutely. Um, Literal and, you know, you're metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> and, all, and all in between. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. 
I yeah. mean, I will say if we're going to talk songs that slap, at least the American version of the album, the uh, the final track was the Bone Thugs version of Home instead of the Malik oh, yeah, Pendleton yeah. version yeah. of Home. See, I, I felt like I would have been cheating if I picked yeah, that Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the obvious contender because that, that one is, yeah, a masterpiece. Say we used to love making music. We was always in the studio grooving. We kept it moving. We was ready to do it right. But you know I'm going through it and ain't feeling this rap thing right now. They got me tripping ready to flip. They got me tripping ready to come get my chips. They got me tripping low. No, that's absolutely a masterpiece. I think my favorite song on here was the Deborah Cox. Yeah. Mm. She did a great job. Mm. Yeah. She smashed that. Yeah. And I like the uh, This Must Be Love, too. I wasn't. I don't know how much I'm in love with Dane Bowers' voice, but yeah. I love yeah. that record. That song's good. That's a good to me. This that was a good, good song. song. I was like, yeah, this is a good record. Like, I, I fuck with like that. Like three through five. Well, two yeah, through yeah, five yeah, is yeah. a good run. A good like run I said, right you get there. past I, Randy and Ray J kind of being too close, and then you slide into yeah. the other shit. That's what had me open on the yeah. highway. I was like, okay, yeah. But then I was like, Kim comes in, and it just seemed like I don't know. It. Looking back, it kind of felt like a mashup. Like at first I was into it because you're actually hearing Phil for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then you're invoking like this really iconic percussion. But then when I went back and listened to it again, it was like, well, it, this isn't exactly what you liked from this song either because the drums are treated differently than on the original. And then the vocals just kind of feel like, I don't know if they're hundred percent engaging with what Phil is saying. Um, so I get that. I get that. Yeah. If it felt like a really good idea. A good like, nostalgia me, like, play. A good nostalgia play. And Kim like sounds like she's good here. Right. But right. it's almost just like the way the record is sequenced. Mm -hmm. Like it could have been put together in a way I feel like would have been more appealing mm -hmm. to those tastes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but like it, it really starts off on a really strong note. But for me, that's where it kind of hit that first like hiccup. Got you. Got you. Got you. Um, how did you feel as a Genesis fan? listening to Joe repurposed Genesis because the production on here is completely different. also I've never oh, yeah. heard Genesis before so like you probably have wow. like there's some of their known it. there's some of their singles from like 86 that sounded off pretty yeah, yeah. Invi invisible touch land of confusion I'll do my homework I'm pretty right. sure you've heard Invisible Touch. You might not know it's called Invisible Touch, but probably, probably yeah. I was a child. I wasn't even a child. <laughs> I wasn't even because I mean they had they had you know selling 14 million copies of a single like they were that Jesus. kind of worldwide domination I band at the time. So it's Tarzan. That's where it starts. Oh, yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, like, that I'm late in the game. That movie was like a touchstone for I think like your millennial generation and younger like that like not ironically you know no, it's like, like I feel people like really every, vibe with that movie. If you start off like a, have a great career starting off and then you hit that midpoint, you need a Tarzan. A like, Disney collab? You do need one. Mm. Prince should have got a Tarzan. He for mm -hmm. sure should like, have. I'm, I'm yeah. upset he never got his yeah, Disney soundtrack. Because he probably would have murked <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> the songs would have had to been condensed in like two minutes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to know, tell him, like, yeah, take it easy could, here. They right? yeah. gave Prince a little room. I don't know what movie he would have done. but No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but they should have come up with a movie just so Prince man. could do the school. We, we, already, do his whole we thing. already know he's great at it from the Tim Burton Batman movie. Like, yeah, we already right. know he has a Batman. He did get Batman. He got Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do a soundtrack. 
yeah. you gotta do a soundtrack yeah. yeah no absolutely absolutely um but go ahead uh, but, so how did I, how did i feel about it as a fan uh honestly i i thought it was interesting you know i mean y'all y'all are like right of course that like this is not a great album there's like some interesting ideas on it mm. and like it's an interesting like historical document um, I guess the thing that appeals to me about it the most is like the impermanence of it. Cause like just the idea that it's so hard to find this, you know, that like you can't, can't go oh, on yeah, Apple yeah, music. You and, like, had to download individual songs wow. and then like, yeah, open them up in the MP3 player and like edit them into the and sequence of an album and everything. And then you gave us a zip. You yeah, emailed us sent, a and then zip. I get the, and then I sent, I dropped the package. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Slid it through the burglar bars, you know. <laughs> See, that didn't sound like a lot of work 10 years ago, but today that oh, sounds yeah. like yeah, yeah. effort. But that's also me showing my age, right? Because well, cause we came up during like, you know, Kazaa and LimeWire and these file Those sharing times, days. Like right. we're totally used to, oh yeah, download ship one, yes, one small piece on time and then have to like make but folders now, on my computer. A 15 song album. Downloading songs one by one, I would have stopped at five. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just moved on. Like, like, Fuck this. This is the whole like, album. Okay, yeah, you got it. I would it. just listen to feel whatever's on Spotify. I would have quit. Yeah, I definitely looked like a thorough search through YouTube and SoundCloud and like, SoundCloud. Yeah, I was digging. Like I know the kids somebody do else. Not like, know John. Yeah, but I figured there's somebody out there somewhere who probably maybe had this album, put it on SoundCloud. Instead so of Susu Studio, it's called Susu SoundCloud. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> are there any tomatoes? Are there, are there, any, are there any tomatoes? One of those big, big crows. Yeah. <laughs> are there any tomatoes, organic tomatoes? But well, you is, were perusing. I, I, you I you were trying so hard. It is cool how a release like this from 2001 can still be significant when you think about like hip hop and yeah. people still sampling feel. And I kind of like tribute albums. Like I like the concept of being someone who has done enough where people want to pay homage. Like everyone mm. showed up, you know, yeah. everyone at least showed up to, it's not like they phoned in. It's like, I'm right. pretty sure yeah. they got the call and was like, I want to be a part of this. I want to do this. And it wasn't as if this was going to be big in the US. It wasn't like you're going to be on the radio. It was right. like, you, like a passion project low key. No, this, yeah, kinda. this is how I feel about it. I feel like, not to bring it back to gentrification, but like, um, so it's going back to gentrification. So it's like, relevant. no, okay. So the reasoning, the rationale behind this album completely makes sense. It's like if you are seeing an organic connection, if you're seeing that people are naturally get gravitating toward Phil Collins' music, why not do a tribute album, right? Why not, you know, further draw out those connections? But I feel like. And them trying to capture the urban demographic, they sort of had a complete misunderstanding as to what people were gravitating toward in the first place. Because I feel like in this particular era of R&B, where it was all about being subdued and composed and like it's all contemporary and things like that, that doesn't jibe at all with the appeal behind Phil Collins' music. Because the thing is, Phil Collins' music is like goofy. It's kind of like goofy, like really exuberant joy, or it's like those really titanic drums, which mm. I feel like goes back to the hip hop. Very production. earnest, very like very unself aware. Super, yeah. super earnest. So when you're going into a tribute album with these sort of expectations, you're not getting a DMX. And I think that's the most disappointing thing of all is that this album could have had 13 tracks by DMX and or Bone Thugs and Harmony, and it would have been perfect. Yeah. 
Well, but I think you you raise the the exact point, which is that it's it's better when it's being sampled. Basically, like I think his music is better mm. when it's being sampled, because in the same way that like he created some of his best music not by just directly you know covering or directly reproducing you know the different artists he was interested in or the different artists he was inspired by, but like taking it and then transforming it, putting his own spin on it. So I think you know the reverse works true as well he his music is at its strongest not when it's being directly just reproduced but when somebody's taking it you know like dmx did like tupac did uh like cameron did i mean yeah we could spend a whole another that episode talking about cool, the people who sampled though, it if they would have went to different producers like a samples yeah, album yeah and like yeah, chop yeah. this up and then well we'll maybe, find the maybe rappers. we've got our mission for urban there we go but you know, it shouldn't be Phil Collins. It should be Three Six Mafia. Mm. <gasps> they deserve. I mean, with all the samples now, who better deserve a tribute album? Oh yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, to to take it even a step further with talking about the samples and all the different artists, I think that you know, I've I know J Cole has been vocal about this on. Um, I think he tweeted about it, but I know he went on like a whole rant at the end of uh, Forest Hills Drive about basically like not guys like Phil Collins but people more people more people should be like Phil Collins not naming him by name but just the idea like hey you created some music somewhere you were inspired by somebody to create something don't hit us over the head when we want to take a piece of that and make hip hop out of it mm -hmm. and um i guess as a like a hip hop fan like as a teenager and like maybe even as much as into my 20s like i didn't necessarily i knew obviously what sampling was but i maybe didn't take into account business wise what that meant mm -hmm. when there's this you know when someone samples a record or when someone takes a piece of this and how that affects the business of the artist the producer the songwriter etc and it's crazy to think that it, can, it makes me wonder if for artists who either don't allow people to sample their work or take the whole publishing off a song when there's a sample in it. It makes me wonder, do they do they see that as like, I'm gonna penalize you for trying to use my music or are they just trying to deter people from uh, using, yeah. you know, from coming to ask them for a mm -hmm. sample in the first place? Mm -hmm. Because in the spirit of being creative, I don't understand why. I can understand you got to pay me for this. If I've created this, sure. you have to pay me to use it. But I don't really understand the logic of hitting people over the head the way they get hit over the head. Like when I first started going to studios, uh, a friend of mine had done, a tr one of his first placements was a record he did for Chris Brown on like Chris Brown's first or second album. It wasn't a single or anything like that, just an album cut. But the, the sample that he used was like the Japanese Imperial Anthem from 1835 or some shit like that and some publishing company in san diego owns the rights to that song and they uh, took everything geez. and when he was telling me about it he, i was like damn they can do that and he was like that's what they did Copyright, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like this is what it is uh -huh. like i mean the song sticks and all that but you know they wanted some ridiculous six-figure number and all the publishing and i'm like well damn like that's like they can ask for that too and yeah and they can legally like, ask for that and it's like that's just what it is the courts go along with it yeah. and like i said i'm not saying you shouldn't pay people for their work but like right. damn you can just take everything yeah. or or, just, or the artist can just i don't know i just don't understand the oh, purpose they can of being say no 
Like, well, no, yeah, you can't, you can't, no, you can't right. use this. So there's nothing you can do after that. Maybe sure. I can understand it if there's a person who has like a moral thing about like, you know, I don't believe in this, and you want to rap about slob on my knob, corner the yeah. cop. I don't want you to rap about that over my beat. Okay, maybe, but short of that. You know, you being that uptight about it morally, I just don't understand the purpose of being that greedy with either the publishing or just the access for other musicians to do some cool shit based off what you did. Yeah, yeah, no, a thousand percent. Especially since, I guess, in the case of like Phil Collins, it's like, you know, he was certainly like a pop darling, but from what I gather, like, Critically speaking, he was looked at as completely uncool. Like, oh, yeah. totally yeah. cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why would you want to fuck with this balding dude, like in the oversized suits or whatever? Um, <laughs> well, it's not just that. People like put him down as like representing the worst of like 80s excess and emptiness. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you wow. know, that, yeah, oh, that he just makes shitty, empty pop music and that, you know, he's not worth any sort of regard. And so that's why, yeah, like, he became this like ironic counterpoint, uh, you know, like in, in American Psycho, the Christian Bale movie. Like he has this whole monologue about like, oh, do you like do you like Phil Collins? And, like he's the speaking jo- like a music critic, right? He's like, t- sounding like yeah. a fucking Rolling Stone, the two yeah. thousands Rolling Stone music critic. But I mean, the joke is supposed to be that like, oh yeah, only a total psychopath nut job would be really into Phil Collins' yeah. music. Right. But I also think Phil Collins works best within the confines of the group than as a solo artist. And I stress the word, artist. This is Susudio, a great, great song. Personal favorite. Yeah, he was he was hated by by right. the early to mid two thousands. I say all that to say, like, um, like when he's getting like all these sample requests, like I wonder if he was just feeling flattered by the whole idea. It's like, oh, there's actually people out there that like oh, me. So they Even don't the, hate me. They don't. <laughs> hate I'm not me. a piece of shit. Which huh? is which is crazy to think about because, like you said, he's selling like fourteen million <laughs> yeah, records. Nice. But I can only imagine at that time, like that echo chamber must have really gotten to him until a DMX comes a call in or a Bone Thugs comes a call in is like, hey, so. Well, I think just in generally, he's been like he's just always said yes to doing collaborative stuff. Like I think even before sample requests would have been coming in, like he, he produced so many albums in the eighties. Like he either did drum work or helped produce, you know, helped with the recording in some way. Like he had his thing. He worked with Bowie, worked with Prince, you know, he worked with so many different artists. Like he, uh, he had his fingers in a lot of different pots. Uh, so I think that kind of extends through to being the sort of person who, you know, the sample request comes in and yes, absolutely. It's gonna like do an it. Extended Not gonna charge you an arm and a leg for it. Like, right. yeah, I'm flattered. Go ahead, go for it. And yeah, I think it's that attitude that makes, you know, something as unlikely as urban renewal. Like I mean, I think that's how it happens in the first place because he established that base of being like, Oh, Phil Collins, yeah, yeah. We all love Phil Collins and we can put his music in our music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there artists right now that 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 rappers could do rappers and R&B singers right now could do a tribute album to that feels legit. Oh my god, I was just wondering this. Um, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. I, yeah. I really struggle to think of somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's some talented artists out there, but like somebody who's that not who's not only like that big selling and like that talented and well regarded, but who also like has that embrace from rap and r&b right you know, but like, also like uh, that crossover appeal too because it's right. not something that you wouldn't necessarily right. expect like rappers aren't going to be clamoring to cover taylor swift as yeah. much as taylor no. swift yeah, like covering no. the only Bill name Combs. that i kind of maybe came up with was adele that's yeah yeah we, we, oh my uh, god like because i feel like she has 
for that regard, like she has a substantial amount of black fans. Kevin Gates covering Adele for twelve tracks. Yeah, see, I can see, I can, I can see that happen. Absolutely. See, my, my guess, my guess is that it would not be pop again. I think it would probably be like pop punk or emo. Like I could see like a Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, yeah. Like a Blink One Eighty Two cover album. That's a good call. Like because I think that's because that was you know this early two thousands. This was a reaction to the pop of the eighties and nineties. But like if it were to happen now. Yeah, I think it'd be more like That's a good more call. of a punk yeah. Like a fallout boy? Or, yeah, punk. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. That's interesting. I want to say Young Thug's Rocket Man would have been the <gasps> best song on Urban Renewal. <laughs> Hands uh, down. Yeah, yeah. Would have been the greatest. He's another one, though. I feel like Elton John is not a bad name for a tribute He's a great one, actually. But yeah, we like, just called it Georgia. Although I think Elton already whoa. has a tribute album. Does he? Does he? I'm pretty sure he does. Like a legit one with like, like a legit one. Like I thought like a gentrified urban renewal <laughs> version. <laughs> no, I'm like I'm pretty See. sure it came out within the past three to five years. Keep talking. I, but, yeah, like, but like I'm that sorry. song reminded me of like how you can take somebody outside of the rap space, sample them, and like kind of repurpose those songs. Mm-hmm. Like if that song was on Urban Renewal, it would have been yes. like, oh my God. Like, so shit. yeah, I really wish they would have took more time in finding producers to like remake some of these records, some of these famous records. And I think that's the beauty of sampling is that you can make these old records new again, feel new again. And I think that if there's going to be a, a resurgence of tribute albums, I feel like the producer should be at the head of making those things happen. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing an Isley Brothers tribute album. Ooh. Like a real cold-blooded, See, like, Isley. Kanye like, should just pivot from Sunday service. Yeah. And yeah, just, yeah. And just <laughs> and yeah. do shit like that. Like, Well, I mean, Kanye kind of already did his Phil Collins tribute with 808s and Heartbreak. True. Okay. Yeah, is that. Because there was that whole thing. Like, uh, Miss Info had a transcript of the conference call he gave about the album, which appropriately had everyone else on mute so that he wouldn't be interrupted. (laughs) But basically, he's like, I wanted to rap like 50, like 50 Cent, but to Phil Collins' drums, to Phil Collins' beats. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's love. Everything into perspective. It really does. That's the hell of a way to describe. Yeah, don't interrupt me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. don't interrupt me while I tell you about these G Unit Phil Collins records. I'm going crazy for that. Holy shit! All right, bro, you got it. The G, the G and G Unit stands for Genesis now. Uh, Boom! Yes. Nice. Okay, that's really terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) By the way, Elton John has several tributes albums. There was a ton, but apparently Mary J. Blige is in one of them. That's all. When did the? That's an important fact. I need to know what that sounds like. I would like to see Mary J. Blige on this one. I I think that's why I like the Deborah Cox record so much because I feel like there's a good um, synergy between. Like those soulful, the strong R and B voices and Phil Collins style. Like I feel like those oh, kind of work 100%. the best when it comes to like the best songs, at least on this project. Like to me, that's where it worked the best. So maybe a, another Phil Collins, but just grab like her and Jennifer Hudson and yes, yes. you know yes. what I'm saying. Yes. And like let other people of that ilk. Yeah, no, nah, we're gonna, we we're gonna do let John executive produce the next one. I'm down for that. Let me talk to Phil Collins. If you're giving away these samples for free, let me just try my hand. <laughs> no, let's like, try a hand. Let let's me just try my hand. I got an idea, Phil, and I want to holler. Let me, let me see something real quick. Yeah, let me just see something. Quick. That's all. <laughs> let me just see something. Like, it wouldn't be hard. Honestly, man, I bet you could get it. You just you should just email him. He Is he on Twitter? No, he's he's not, he doesn't Phil believe in all of that. Well, he's got like a. 
you know, like an artist Twitter, but I don't oh, yeah, think you know, he got to pay. He's yeah, but on yeah, but it yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, like his publicist or his manager handles that. You know, put that into the air that I meet Phil Collins. And I just figure it out. You're going to put that I'm in the air tonight? Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. These puns. <laughs> the, you know, nah. the name of this episode is going to be More Tomatoes. We're not even going <laughs> to reference Phil Collins in any way, shape, or form. It's just going to be More Tomatoes. But I didn't see that one coming, so I guess you get yeah, some level of that. I, yeah, I, I no, wasn't even thinking it was about a, it, so that was very natural. That was a layup, bro. You <laughs> did against I, the glass. Was, nah, I did not intend to do that. I've embarrassed myself like that before, like saying shit like in reference to someone in front of them, and just, I didn't mean to say that. It just happened, and now, never mind. No, I I do that in artist interviews sometimes, and it gets um it gets really awkward like really quickly. Like I had an interview with Quavo one time, but he was driving, and so as we're giving directions, like what do you say? You say that way, like <laughs> multiple times, and I was like, you couldn't stop. <laughs> Neither of us could stop. I couldn't stop. I was like, I need to get out of this car, like right now. I need to get out of this G wagon right sad. now. Boy, he was doing it too. He 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 was, but like he was, he would like sigh every time. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Are you entertained? Yet? <laughs> right. This is what you came here for, came right? Here, right uh, that way, <laughs> ha, that way. This this is my new favorite rap story ever because I can <laughs> see it. It's still like a nightmare. <laughs> like, oh slowly devolving. It's like, can we please just like stop? Anyway. Yeah, it's this is the worst. Well, uh, I appreciate y'all talking about Phil today. You yeah, know, no, this I, little, I this little piece of. Uh, or this little curio, you know, because I think it's important that we do this kind of stuff because like we were saying about it being so hard to find, you know, like nobody puts a spotlight on it. It could disappear and nobody would even no, know it sure. was gone. And I think there's some, I mean, like, even though we talked about how he was like the joke or the butt of the joke as far as his overall aesthetic and what his music was about, I feel like there's a certain value in like keeping some of these vibes alive. Like that was the other part in listening to the record. It was like, damn, they don't really make music that right. is programmed this way anymore. That like gives you that kind of feeling. Not necessarily that it was they're all like the most amazing records in the world, but just the dynamics of music now is so different than this right here. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I think a lot of, Keeping those things alive it made me think about like a lot of the R and B albums that are popular right now, mm-hmm. or that are they popular over this year between uh, you know Ari Lennox or whoever else is like some of how that music sounds or how it's designed still has those R and B good feels. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. There's value in like talking about this kind of stuff and like mm-hmm. promoting its usage. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think the me the big takeaways are um revisit home by bone thugs and harmony yes that song is amazing listen to the dmx cover go seek that out in the air it's fucking perfect and then i don't know like i guess just kind of take note of how many times he sampled i guess like it was amazing that like in this year alone we've had meek mill sampling in the air tonight on yep. championships and then not even a full year later, Rhapsody comes and yep. samples the same goddamn song. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Just always chasing that feeling. Hey, the 80s are back. You know, that was like the quintessential 80s anthem. So I would say that it's just a sign of the times, you know, which is to say that we're going backwards. Frightening <laughs> and depressing way. But that's a topic for another podcast. That's, that's a whole <laughs> yeah. other yeah. conversation whole for another day. I hope we get a press tribute 
Yeah. Like I would love a for something style like this. Mm. Maybe not with like the most modern rappers, but I feel like with his catalog, you could do a whole lot. Yeah. And I believe the reason why we should highlight albums like this, like these little like niche moments in history, because they do they can lead to another moment like this where it's just necessary. I think it's necessary to give people their roses. Well, because without the mythology that this album was part of helping to build, you know, maybe I don't know, 808s and Heartbreak never would have happened. You know, Kanye never would have been interested in trying to dick ride Kid Cudi so hard and then the whole trajectory of like early 2000s music could have changed. I don't know how you got there, but you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate you listening to the Something to Say podcast produced by our guest, Mike Saba, out here in the Swats. Um, If you want to throw a couple bucks our way, head over to patreon.com slash something to say.